This is Continuum Drag, a weekly podcast where we revisit sci-fi, fantasy, and just plain weird shows. This week, Freaky Links, episodes one and two. In the summer of 1998, my brother Adam created an internet website to hunt down the truth behind strange and unusual events. Being a person of great compassion and realizing that it was the only way he was ever going to get back the $500 that he'd loaned me, he hired me as his lead investigator. My name is Derek Barnes. The job he gave me was insanely simple. I'd go out into the world and gather the truths behind strange, bizarre stories and post them on the site. Never actually cared that much about the assignments. I just needed a job and, you know, it was just nice to hang out with my brother. I was actually having fun with it until, well, until that night that I walked into that roadside bar. I didn't know it at the time. But nothing in my life would ever be the same again. Welcome to Continuum Drag, the podcast that's strolling through the graveyard of X-Files clones. I'm Luke, here with my co-host Jordan. What's real, Jordan? I'll say right off the bat, I'm not sure how I feel about this show, so I might even reserve reserve my judgment till the very end, till I talk to you more about it, because this is a weird, weird little show. You like You like to come in with your ratings written down and then change it as you go. Yeah, you know what, I've done that more often in the more recent things i did it a lot on uh, man and machine because i was coming in with like scores of like one like, oh, <laughs> this thing all right you know luke like this maybe i'll give it a one and a half you know you're, you're won over by my persuasive arguments uh-huh. for these terrible shows oh we'll, we'll go through it but on this show i don't know if i like this or hated it i just it's such an odd weird mishmash of stuff well the show is freaky links a show from the year 2000 what did you know about it going into it jordan I didn't remember this show at all. Um, it's funny. I was reading an article, um, which we can go into or not if you'd like, um, but it was uh, when the show originally aired, or at least the preview, um, there was an article in Entertainment Weekly about it, about some of the um, the issues they had just before the show went to air, um, which I don't know if you know about, but we can talk if you want. But uh, this was after the X-Files, as you kind of mentioned in the opening, but it's also after Harsh Realm and Brimstone which were two shows that Fox tried after the X-Files to try to be the next X-Files, and both did not do well. So this was their third attempt at it, and they were very, very nervous. Oh, wow. I mean, I think I watched some of it when it was on TV, mostly because it was from the creators of the Blair Witch Project. Yeah. Which, uh, by the way, 20th anniversary this year. That's some synergy for us. Mm. Did you know that they pretty much dropped out before the pilot even aired? I'm not surprised. Uh, I was like kind of going through some of the credits and uh even i don't know if you i we'll get it i don't know we'll get into it now i realized going through it uh david s goyer is that how you say his name yeah i know he's under a pseudonym he uses a pseudonym and i mean he's not a guy who's necessarily written all the best work in the world so for him to like hide one thing is is not a good sign well i can read you one little paragraph off this article which will give you a little back history so when they were first announcing the show, um, you know, it was a whole big thing. Here's our cast. Here's what the show's going to be. Here's a te- teaser. And what the article says is, just weeks after Fox trotted out the show's toothy cast, including teen movie staple Ethan Embry, at uh, this year's TV Critics Press Tour, 
Executive producer Tommy ex- sorry Tommy Thompson exited the series, citing creative differences, and co-exec producer David Simpkins, who was given eight days to rework the scripts and storylines to give Freaky Leaks a dark tone, a shot of levity. To complicate matters further, members of Haxon, the filmmaking team that produced and marketed Blair Witch, have quietly distanced themselves from the series with only website Greg website wizard Greg Hale still actively working on the project. Hmm. So apparently all the scripts with one week before they were to go filming were, were all rewritten to add to add jokes and humor into it because Fox was really worried after seeing how their other two shows, as I mentioned, Harsh Realm and Brimstone uh, performed, that they were like, you got to make this funnier. Well, I mean, we've watched Harsh Realm. I don't know what they were thinking. It was perfect. <laughs> well, well, you know what's funny? I actually, you know, it's such an easy thing as someone who just watches TV to kind of crap all over the executives because, you know, you hear when they make stupid decisions. I mean, time will tell as we watch this if that was a right decision or not to add humor. But Harsh Rum was grim to the point of boring. What about when he switched that face? Yeah, that was all right. It had its moments. I mean, I, I definitely think... This show probably falls into the category of one of Fox's favorite things. I I caught a brief article somewhere, too, that mentioned that when they aired it, they aired it all out of order as well. Like Fox, just like almost human, they love to air things out of order. I do think that's funny, though, that that's a solution for something that's not working. Like, I just don't know. Like, you imagine going to a restaurant and they're like, well, we're going to give you ice cream first and then the fries and then the hamburger because we're hoping that's going to be food is very good. But we're going to drop it on the floor and you can mix it all around. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, go to the washroom first, then come out and have the food. All right. Well, before we get into it, um, so the series aired between October 2000 and June 2001. I think it had a few uh, stops and starts where they kept dropping episodes here and there. I think I think from what I saw, it was like October to November and then January had a few drop and then June was when it finished. So it, it seemed to run for a long time, but it's only 13 episodes. And you and I were in high school. So this this should have been perfect time for us to watch this. Were we in high school? Yeah, 2000. Wouldn't you have been? I would have graduated. Did you have grade 13? Or OAC? No, I only had grade 12, so I would have graduated. I would have been in university. Oh, so you were ahead of me, because I, I had that extra... We had that fifth year in our province. Oh, yeah. I forgot you were held back. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I was held back. They said, not enough freaky links. <laughs> Get some more freaky links in this kid. Yeah, exactly. All right. So I kind of did my, my usual thing. I went through Wikipedia to see if anything interesting happened in that period. I got a few things for this show, especially since it's internet-based. This first one's pretty good. On uh, January 15th, wikipedia was launched isn't that weird to be looking at wikipedia and see that it was very weird i was like oh hey i'm looking at you right now wikipedia october 30th was the final date that there was no human presence in space so everyone was gone no since basically the day after like october 31st there has been a human in space to today Hmm. there we've never been in a position where there wasn't someone in orbit around earth what an odd thing to notice I mean, someone had to notice. I guess so. Yeah, I guess billions of dollars go into it. January 20th, George W. Bush is is sworn in. Hmm. And April 28th, the first space tourist goes into space. Oh, I didn't know anyone ever went into space. I remember one of the InSync guys really wanted to go. (laughs) I think he might have at some point. I'm not sure. They were doing it in Russia for a while. This was just the, the plane would go just out of the out atmosphere right and then kind of come back in so technically you're in space yeah i'm not sure i'm not sure if they did that or if they i actually think they were docking with the russian um 
space station. Oh, really? Oh, well, then then that's really in space. Like, yeah, I think it was like legit in space, but I mean, I could be wrong. Write in and tell me. Remember when people, um, you could, <laughs> remember there were advertisements that you could buy a piece of the moon and put like, name it? Do you remember that? Oh, that is, uh, there's a documentary about that. Is there really? Because I always wondered what happened to all those people who bought like a little like swath of land on the moon? They got sold the bridge in, uh... I guess, right? Because what are you going to do with it? Nothing. Nothing. It's not worth anything. You have no claim to the moon. You're not, you're not going to impress someone on a first date with that. All right. Real quick, though. I'll finish this up now. Two deaths that of note that I noted during Freaky Links. April 15th, Joy Ramone. Mm. May 11th, Douglas Adams. Oh, that's sad for both of those people. That's true. And one very important birth on October 31st. Uh, Freddy Krueger. <laughs> Willow Smith. Will Smith's daughter. Oh, yeah. The one who is, she's always whipping her hair. That's her thing. You gotta whip that hair. Yeah. Good, good for her. Everyone loves that song still, right? Yeah, no, the, like the kids love it. If you play that in a club, like everyone goes and they go crazy. They go absolutely nuts. They put down their crevassier and they all whip their hair. <laughs> let's let's get into it. You ready? Yeah. Here's the IMDb summary for episode one. Subject, fearsome. Derek, Jason, and Lan investigate rumors of paranormal events from their website, freakylinks.com. Someone sends Derek a video shot after his twin brother Adam's odd suicide that shows Adam waking in the background. Derek calls Chloe, Adam's ex. And uh, let me mention one thing. I don't think we, we said before this. This show up until right before the reshoots was called Fearsome. So that's why the pilot is called Fearsome. Yeah, I, I caught that too. I, they, really, they really tried to retool it a lot. To be fair though, Freaky Links is a better title. <laughs> I agree. You're like, ooh, like fear, eh. but like freaky. You're like freaky. All right, I'm in. Oh, these links are gonna get a little freaky. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I love saying the title. It's great. Yeah. So we start with a voiceover, which is uh, uh, short form for reshoot, uh, filling in information. Well, it's funny. Those the voiceover will run the whole narrative, and we'll and we'll cut back to see the lead character Derek. He's kind of monologuing into his computer, but he's basically just recording a podcast. It is weird because I kept thinking, so I know this is still kind of, I mean, it's 2000. It's not early days of the internet, but for the purposes of this show, the whole thing relies on this website. But if you just pay attention to what the website is from this first episode, I don't think this is a website that anyone would go to. Like just a long rambling reading from some guy. I'm like, what do you just go into the website and then click on this audio link? Like it's a terrible website. Well, this is uh, off topic a little bit, but this is what I think watching the show kind of came back to me. And I, I, I felt like I had some positive memories about it, but watching the show, I, I didn't remember the show really at all. And what I realized is, I'm sure you saw in those articles, is they also released a website as a prelude to the show. That's right. Yeah. One of these first uh, kind of, what do you call it? Like viral kind of attempts. Yeah. Like an augmented reality viral sort of thing. And I was realizing as I was watching this, I think what I'm remembering more than the show itself is I think I spent a lot of time on the website. I think it might have actually been, I think this is maybe why Hackson and those people sort of distanced themselves from it, is I think they did a good job with what the show was going to be via the website. Like it was going to have that ghost huntery kind of early internet sort of idea. And it quite clear from these episodes, as we'll see, they've abandoned any concept of internet. <laughs> I think I think you make an interesting point because I doubt the website is still active, but I did see that it was mentioned that they were really trying for this 
I guess like sort of dual screen viewer. Like they were really trying to hope it to to drive people to the series through, through whatever website Fox had put. Yeah, I mean they wanted to capture that Blair Witch magic of that website basically. But essentially, we get a prelude of the summer of 1998. Our hero Derek, a cool surfer dude has a job inv- as an investigator for his nerdy twin brother's paranormal investigation, quote, internet website. Is he a cool surfer? Is that what they say? Because, uh, he, yeah, he goes to this strip club to investigate uh, a lap da- or a stripper who exploded during a lap dance. Yeah, she spontaneously combusted. And he's flirting with this waitress, and the waitress asks him, she's like, are you some sort of computer nerd? When she sees his card, he's like, oh, no, I'm a surfer. And she's like, my roommate had one of those. I want one, too. Was he actually trying to investigate or was he trying to get laid? Or is it just like a a perk of the job? I think he was investigating an actual paranormal activity. But then he saw the opportunity to potentially get it on with his waitress. Right. And, you know, why why wouldn't you? I suppose. But he sort of at this point, he gets gets pulled away because his brother calls him on his phone. Yeah, he's got a cool old uh, late 90s uh, flip phone. Mm-hmm. I think they're cool again. You think those... It's like a brick. It's like holding a brick against your ear. Yeah, I think those are cool again. Yeah, his his brother calls. His brother is begging him to come back. He's got to tell him something or something. It's unclear because the, like, the reception is spotty. And he, of course, uh, says, well, I can't hear you. And he hangs up because he wants to get it on with his waitress, who, during the entire phone call, which goes on for a while, she's standing very impatiently behind him. And when he finally hangs up, she's like, are we going to do this or not? I'm like, you guys going to have sex like right here in this strip club? I think she was at the end of her shift. Yo, you think so? I, th- I thought she was still working. Yeah, no, she was just like, well, I, I, you know, I, I, it's, it's rush hour right now. So, <laughs> <laughs> but what kind of happens is as he hangs up, he looks into a mirror and the whole mirror shakes and we get a flash of some faceless being in the mirror. And he's, he's a little freaked out, but not freaked out enough to not go have, uh, sex with this waitress first but then it does a weird thing it has like a picture on the wall of the um strip club that yeah in the mirror yeah in the mirror the camera zooms in on and you find out it's like this is old kind of creepy house but then you pull out and it's his brother's house and i was like what why would that happen why it was like a like twilight zone uh like interstitialers like it was a way of transitioning between the two scenes anyways his so we find out his brother lives in a big old creepy house and by the way by himself in a gigantic house like how how many bedrooms this is like a six bedroom house oh it's huge before we move on though i want to ask you one quick question did you notice at that strip club when we started the scene it started off on that neon sign of like a girly silhouette yeah Mm -hmm. and then it shot a fire out of her boobs i did notice that yeah i actually already have the time code marked it was at 48 seconds what a sign yeah (laughs) let's get that for your uh, your place in the country yeah, of course. Well, you know what? There's, there's anything that brings people in. <laughs> but yes, yeah, so we, we cut back. We're at the brother's house now. Derek has finished whatever he's been doing with his waitress because he pulls up in a van. Did you catch the license plate on the van? No, I didn't. What was it? It was Surf WWW. Are those waves? Uh, I think it's Surf the World Wide Web. Oh, see, that's how dumb I am. I thought it was like Surf and then like a picture of waves. This is all, it's great. This is all internet 1.0. Like when it comes up, everything is like, it's like what I remember the internet being when I got it in 94. Yeah, that's embarrassing if that was your license plate. Imagine you still had that as your plate. 
Someone has it somewhere. You're like, hey, I go on the internet a lot. Everyone's like, yo, who cares? There, there's some like 65 year old man who's still he's like he got it in 90s he's like yes i did it. yeah exactly adam uh he's knocking on his brother's door his brother's not answering he uh sort of like f- he takes the spare key and comes in although i like as he opened the door he yells i'm coming in adam don't shoot me I'm like what does adam have a like a problem i think in this episode more so than the next one this episode has a lot of weird disjointed scenes that don't seem to fit fit together tonally and also people say things that i think were in previous versions of the show and that was one of them i think there's something else we learned about adam that they've taken out of the show right right some sort of paranoia Mm -hmm. at any rate he comes in the house and there's like a spooky follow-through of the camera but what we kind of find out is uh, derek's brother adam his twin brother Mm -hmm. is dead in the bathtub he's cut his own wrists and it looks like he really uh he really went for it because there's like candles and stuff all around he made it real moody before he did it absolutely and then we cut to the crazy opening which is one of the worst opening credits uh ever i i think this is pretty on par with shows in the late 90s it's just like flashes of like the characters and then flashes of like spooky stuff and then this one has flashes of websites because it's about the internet yeah it's it's not good but anyways i mean i guess it fits the show and then there's the driving rock song that accompanies only this episode they changed the song for the next episode yeah it's Nobody's Real by Power Man 5000. Well, you you have all their stuff, right? Oh, I'm a huge fan. Me too. I've got it all on vinyl. I don't even need to say it. I bet I'm a huge fan. Everyone knows it. One for my tattoos. <laughs> Full sleeves. We go then into another character introduction. It's his partner, Jason. It's two years later. Yeah, two years later. And what we find very quickly is that I guess out of a uh, remembrance of his brother or to try to keep his memory alive or what his goal in life was, Derek has kept the website going. I'm not quite sure what the website is, but this is the first instance of many painful, painful use of like handheld camera um, a la Blair Witch Project where people are having conversations and rolling on it before it would make sense, but because they want to add that element in. So we in, we find out that Derek and Jason are on a case for the website, and they're in the car kind of talking about what they need to do. It's funny. I actually think, I, obviously, it's very contrived, this handheld camera stuff. I, I think it could have been a strength of the show. It's not currently a strength, but it really does look like a YouTube channel. Yeah, I would agree with you on that. Like, this could just be on the internet today. That's the thing. Their video alone would be something, but I don't know how this works with his voiceover and works with the website. It's just like someone wrote this kind of having a vague idea what the kids were doing. It was like, yeah, and then they throw a video on their website too. Internet. I think those rewrites make sense to me because it feels like someone's doing it and they almost have a sense of what might like be coming down the internet, but then someone's come in and rewritten it and they're like, I don't know, there's a camera. I, I guess this is how we're shooting it. Yeah. So anyways, I'm not, I don't know how you feel. I'm not a a real fan of this kind of uh, uh, filming style, but I mean, it's not the worst thing ever. I just, it takes me out every time. I I find that more jarring than enjoyable, but uh, I mean, that's what the show's going to be. So there's no point complaining about it. Yeah. I mean, this is going to be a lot of case. This is the thing is when he took over the website, he changed the name from paranormalresearch.com to freakylinks.com. Yeah. It's much punchier. It's much punchier. And now it, I think what it is, it's a combination of writing about the paranormal, but also these like investigative journalism where they just grab cameras and run around. And it, it, it does have a feeling of like kind of like a teenager's YouTube channel, basically. Right. 
so what are they trying to do here, uh, Jason and Derek? Well, they're I guess what they're doing is they're they're investigating a black market sale of a paranormal item, a Seminole warrior chief's head. It's been severed. Yeah, I was like, uh, 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 okay, and it's in a jar. It's in a jar, and we kind of what we get is them sneaking around, and they they see the black market deal going down. And but what we really catches is in the video camera, he sees the severed head open its eyes, and I mean the whole thing is mostly there to establish an element of paranormalness and to establish his, I guess, business partner Jason, who works on the website with him. But I gotta say, Jason is basically a non-character. Yeah, I. He he's like a character they decided they needed an, another person, but they don't know what to do with him. So he's there, but he's evocative of nothing. I, I two episodes, I still don't know what his personality is. They give him almost no lines. If he's there, he's just standing next to Derek. I think at one point, when he's giving these monologues to kind of fill out the show, they have Jason show up and he sits down next to him at the computer and he's like, "Oh, sorry, I'll quit monologuing." And Jason's like, "Now nah, I'll just sit here while you do it." And then they cut away, and it meant nothing. Yeah. Anyways, but he's a character. I felt really bad for that actor. I'm just like, man, can you imagine? You're like, oh, I booked the lead on a show, and just like, I have two lines in this episode. But don't worry, we're going to be introducing a new cleric, another couple, very three dimensional characters shortly. It's true. Next up, we get to meet the tech expert Lan. She's sort of the Nika from Tech War of this group. Mm-hmm. When, when I saw her, the first thing I wrote was, "I hope that's their hacker." She just looked like. They put together the person you think would be the person who sits by the, behind the computer. Like she just, she's spot on for that. And her whole personality is like, she's kind of exasperated with them, but also she's in love with Derek. So she just does whatever he says. Yeah. Do you think she's in love with him? I mean, I guess I can bring it up now. In the next episode, she is dressed completely differently, behaves completely differently. I feel like they completely rewrote and redressed her character between episodes. Yeah, they did. They retooled her and they... I think it was just one of those things where they went, that didn't work. Let's, I think, I think what it is, is they had her a little bit more like nerdy looking and they've changed her to look a little more conventionally attractive in the second episode. Well, the first episode, she's basically looks like she's a 13 year old girl with a crush on a, on an older boy. Like that's how she behaves and how she's dressed. She's dressed very like blossom or something. (laughs) She's dressed very blossom. I love that. And then the next episode, she's suddenly like no longer as like fawning over him like she's not fawning over him and she's just dressed a little more like a human being yeah she also loses her glasses yeah the glasses are gone like it just i mean i was just like thank god i i don't i think this other character would have been a bit abrasive after time there is um a line that comes up and i don't even know how it's um it works into the show but it was one of my favorite lines in the show um and he just says Derek goes i don't own a bank card and i've never been to that place in my life and i thought why wouldn't he own a bank card? Is that like a cool thing in 2000? No, I do remember them saying that. And I, I think I think that's supposed to show how carefree he is. But it's it just literally like, how how do you survive your day-to-day life? You're a grown-up. Also, he has to pay these all these people that just hang out working on the website. Anyway, we, we're back now at the Freaky Links headquarters. And Derek decides to check his 87 unread emails. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I felt like that would make you insane to see 87 unread emails. Yeah, it's it's one of those things I see in people. People always complain. They're like, look at my inbox. Like, it's a point of pride. It's like, why is it a point of pride? You're terrible at your job. Here's one thing I noticed. When he checks his emails, this little thing bloops out and says, you've got mail. Or, like, some little, like, animated thing pops out. Which, you know, never happened in any email uh, yeah. interface I ever used. 
But this is where I remembered about the website because that little character who popped out, he was the mascot of the website called Spring Heel Jack. And he's never mentioned in this episode or the next one, but I know that name so specifically. And I'm like, that must be because he was so like heavily leaned into on the website as being like the mascot of Freaky Links, even though he's not in the show at all. Oh, so he was something that they decided is not important. Let's uh, let's cut any mention of him. Yeah, I think that must be something that was just like heavily featured in the website. And then as they got to production and started cutting things, they're like, uh, what's this Internet stuff? Just take it out. It's too confusing. Anyway, an email comes in. It's got no subject. And it's from Lazarus. Is that what it was from? Yeah, Lazarus. And inside is a, a classic old QuickTime video. Oh, yeah, it's all a quick time. I, I would it should have been is he opened that he didn't have the right program and he had to open another program and they had to spend five minutes him trying to go get another codec. Yeah, exactly. So but yeah, what he what he finds is someone sent him a video. And what the video is, it looks like it's at a bank um, and you see a couple of people walk by. Yeah, It's like ATM footage. Yeah, exactly. And then the one person is his twin brother alive. Oh, it's date stamped four days ago. And that's where the line I mentioned earlier. Uh, that uh, Derek says it couldn't be him because at first everyone's like, that's you because they're twin brothers. And he said, no, it's not me. I don't even own a bank card, which is like, that's weird. But anyway, you know what I did like here, though, is because they're establishing why the brothers are different. And it's just because one of them has like a, a scar on his eyebrow. That's how you can tell them apart, basically. Mm-hmm. But what they kind of do here, which it didn't wasn't well executed by like the concept is they started showing like a flashback of them when they were kids giving the scar. But they did it all as if it was like shot on like film. So it's kind of had a little film grain. And I like the idea if they're going to do this found footage video stuff and then kind of their traditional narrative stuff. And then flashbacks might have like this look of a fi- I, I don't know. I felt like there was a cool cross medium thing they could have pulled off here. Do you think they did? I think it's no. I think some it was someone's idea, but it's just like was handled at the last second and sloppily put together. Probably. Yeah. So n- now this email, this has like... I, I kind of, I'll be honest, I kind of stopped paying attention, I think, at this point. Is this that there's a website they somehow get to v- via the email? Well, yeah, Lan, I guess, figures out there's a website associated with the email address. I'm assuming, like, they found they saw an email address somewhere and went to the website. And it's password protected. Right. But Derek remembers the twin speak him and his brother used to do. There's a name they called each other in twin speak. Yeah. And he types that in. And what it does is unlocks the website and then the website like downloads data and the screen goes black and the words Croatoan appear on the screen. My note there was Croatoan, grown, here we go. It is very funny. I would say in the last 10 years, I think this was beating people to the punch on Croatoan. But like in the last yeah. 10 years, there have been like four or five different things that all about this Roanoke colony, all in like horror film context too. Yeah, it's one of these things that I think everyone eventually finds this story that has, you know, the slightest bit of mystery to it, which is all pretty much being debunked at this point. But everyone goes, that's great. I'll, I'll write something around it. It's like, no, don't. It's been done a million times. But don't worry. Freaky Links is here to do it a million and one. I think it did it first. I don't know if they did, but sure. Let's let's give it to him. We'll, we'll look into it. Jordan, use your use your brain. I'm, I'm going to go first go to FreakyLinks.com. And then see if they'll send me to a website, and then I'll use my twin speak to get in something else, and then that will show me if they use Croatone first. <laughs> With this information, this Croatone information, which isn't information, it's just the word he's on screen. He, Derek goes and tra- to visit Adam's ex girlfriend Chloe at a boxing gym. 
Was this just to show that she's tough? Was that the point? Yeah, I think so. And it's also kind of like crazy. We're now we're now introducing our fourth lead character after we've introduced Jason, who is basically wallpaper, and Lan, who I guess just sits at the office all day. Like there wasn't a need for another character. I don't know exactly how far we are in the show. I think we're about twenty minutes into the show, so about halfway. So it's it's taken a little while to introduce everyone, and you really learn nothing about them. Like Jason, they kind of said he's quirky, but we see nothing quirky. Um, what's the the lady's name who does the computers? Lan. She looks quirky, but doesn't do or say anything quirky. And now here's Chloe, who they say is tough, but in this episode, the next episode, she doesn't do anything tough. I feel like now knowing there's reshoots. I feel like maybe Chloe had a bigger role, but her contract was still there. And they were like, well, we can't cut her out. So uh, I guess she's still the star. Yeah, I think they originally wanted her to kind of be like a bit of a tough action hero. And then by episode two, they're like, what if she just spends an entire episode sitting in a hospital? Her and uh, Derek have a conversation. Adam was doing research into uh, the Roanoke calling Croatoan. They basically do a, uh, I guess maybe we'll give a quick uh, Cole's notes of uh, Roanoke if you don't know about it. Essentially, it was an early American colony in, uh, I think, 1583. It vanished without a trace. Like, the guy who founded it had to go back to England to get more supplies. When he got back, the colony was empty. And the only thing left was, like, carved on a on a wooden pole there. They had written Croatoan, which was a nearby island. But no one no one ever found those those colonists again. So this is, like, they call it the first American ghost story on this show. But Adam's research has led him to find out that there were further notes by the people who did the search that were never published and that, I don't know, there's like a demon girl who the uh, local tribes thought was a shapeshifter who menaced them, who like looked like a, a colonist from the new world. Yeah. And then like I's got a medal or something and she either likes or doesn't like the medal. But uh, there you go. That's there's some sort of a cult that they can research or something. Yeah, and amongst his notes is a, is a name that I guess someone Adam had met, a V. Elsing, and they know uh, they need to track down who V. Elsing is. That's right. This felt to me like a definite uh, David S. Goyer part of the script because the character's full name is Vince Elsing, as in Van Helsing. He's like, guys, I've got it. I've got it. We're just throwing an initial in there, and only the real fans will get it. Here's a great pun that everyone's going to love. Yeah, and let me mention real quick, uh, they, they describe the little girl at one point as a shapeshifter sent from the depths of hell. Oh, right. Yes, that's right. And I enjoyed that. That was pretty good. I was like, yeah, okay, I'll hear more about that. So after getting this, we kind of get an interlude where Derek and Chloe go investigate Adam's house on on video. Like, they kind of walk around and shoot video of the house, and we get some flashbacks of, like, him killing himself, but there, really nothing happens. It's like... There's a quick shot where she looks up and Adam's staring at her at a window, but it, it is sort of an interlude to just get video footage for later. Oh, well, here, I, had a, I had a question for you, a logistical question. So Adam lived in this old house. I, I'm guessing wherever they are, I think it's L.A., right? I think it might be Florida. So it's somewhere It's somewhere where it's hot. That's all I know. I can't tell. I don't know the geography of this. It's where you can surf. It's where you can surf. I don't know the, the geography of the southern states very well, but... Uh, Apparently, you can just have a house and just pay for the mortgage on said house forever, even if no one's living in there. And not only is he doing that, but he's left everything. That house is fully furnished. Like, there's still books on on the shelves. Yeah, yeah. Oh, he says, he's like, I've never been back in here. And it's like, why? Why? 
So is he's just paying for it? Do you think he just has this house, just a gigantic house that he doesn't use? I think he does say something along those lines, is that he's he feels guilty, so he just keeps paying for it. Mm. Wouldn't that be a better place to run his website? He could have more more characters that we don't learn anything about. Well, too many suicides inside. <laughs> I suppose, I suppose. Well, while they're doing this investigation, Lan finds out who Vince Elsing is and that he's in a local psych ward. So they uh, they go pay him a visit, and we get to finally meet Vince Elsing, our fifth recurring title character. Mm-hmm. I got a little confused because they're in the psychiatric ward where this guy's staying, and they're having this conversation, and I kept thinking, why would this doctor allow them in? Like, you're just nobody, and you show up, you're like, I'm from website, can I go talk to this guy? But it turns out it's a janitor um, who lets them in. But even then, I, I still don't think they have even the slightest bit uh, credentials to be led into the psychiatric ward yeah they're talking to this guy and i couldn't tell yeah i thought he was a janitor or maybe a guard or something and they're like well let us talk to him and he's like no way and they have to bribe him but the entire time they're talking about him he's behind glass in like a police interview room so that guard had to like walk him in there and sit him down and then he's being like well i i can't let you talk to him i mean i've set him up here in the interview room but uh, it's impossible <laughs> See, I assumed that was the room that guy was staying in. All his room was, was a, a table and chair. Just a table and chair. Derek goes in and talks to him, but he mostly just rants on and on about like a mysterious them who like exist outside of our perception. And like, that's that. Like, we don't really get anything out of that scene. It's just kind of like vague references to just, I didn't like learn anything. No, it was weird. It was supposed to, you think it would propel the story a little bit, but it doesn't. However, it does have one great line. And this will tell you, he pretty much says stuff like this over and over and then they leave. But he says, you can only see what your mind can handle. Ooh. And Derek's like, ooh, ooh yeah, okay. And then they're like, scene over. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. We cut to Derek. He's, he's, he's at his house. He's asleep. And uh, he hears a noise, so he gets up and grabs his bat. And, you know, you kind of get a bit of a haunted house thing here where, like, spooky hooded people appear in windows that he doesn't he doesn't see. And then he goes outside to his sailboat collection, which is out in the yard. Yeah, that was weird, right? Yeah, it was real weird. And he sees his brother out amongst the sailboats. And uh, it seems like a spirit is attacking him because, like, a POV camera flies at him. And he's about to take a swing at it with his bat. And, like, land steps in front of him and nearly gets smoked by the bat. <laughs> And then, and th there's no reason for her to be there. And I think she says, I had insomnia. And you're like, oh, oh okay. So yeah, just come work out of your house in the middle of the night because I had insomnia. Yeah, and it was like, the, the whole reason to have that little jump scene. But you were like, oh, wow, you guys didn't land that at all. Well, they needed her there because what they do is they go inside and they watch all the footage they shot of, Dar or of Adam's house when they went there for their little investigation with Chloe. And he happens to catch in, in the footage some peeling wallpaper in the bathroom is covered in little uh, Croatoan symbols. And he's just like, oh, there's something under the wallpaper. And then he Batmans out of there on uh, poor land. Yeah, he really does. It, yeah, that it was. I wrote the same thing. He just he just disappears. I was like, is that a thing he's going to do? I don't I think it was just for that scene. It's it's just David S. Goyer. He wrote those Batman movies. He loves it when a character disappears. <laughs> yeah. But we cut to now basically uh Derek going through the house and going there's writing on the walls and he just keeps pulling wallpaper off and as he pulls stuff off he sees more and more writing but here's the thing he left his home i know to go to adam's home chloe is with him when he arrives at the house yeah it's it's an editing reshoot mistake because she's just suddenly there and they don't explain why she's there my theory is 
that all the day stuff is uh, in this show is the reshoot stuff and everything that was at night is what the original show was and it's this weird painful mashup and the two things that made me think this is one all the day scenes are really jokey and really like almost sitcom-y with characters showing how fun and quirky they are and all the night stuff is very very serious to the point where the characters are almost very different and more importantly because as Lucas mentioned to me, I apparently noticed this, is that Ethan Embry's hair changes from the day stuff to the night stuff in that he uh, he had in one scene, he had this very like late 90s, early 2000s kind of haircut. And then later it was very spiky. And I thought, wait a minute, that's different. And I noticed it was the day and night stuff. So that's my feeling is that after notes, they were like, guys, we need to add quirkiness. And so they added all these day scenes. And so and what you get, though, is some weird editing stuff for like people showing up in scenes for no reason. Yeah, they seem to strip all the wallpaper and carpeting out of the house. It took them a long time. There are symbols on the walls and the floors, and they all seem to be congregating on this one one room, the floor. Like they all, all the symbols congregate in a big circle in the middle of it. But they happen to notice someone outside. It's a little girl from the, I don't know, 1500s. Yeah, it's that, that maybe that girl that came straight from hell. And then she shapeshifts into a lady who is on the ATM footage with a very severe haircut. <laughs> it is very severe. It's very, uh, very Vulcan. And then she gets into the house, like no problem. Well, it's funny. They see her outside and then they turn around and she's like standing behind them. It's, it, it, was, it was like almost a good jump scare. But it was also a little one of those things that's like, and why is she choosing to do this now? Because she doesn't want them seeing the patterns. It's like, eh, it doesn't matter. Just fight scene. I think what it is is because they get in a fight with her. So she's somewhat physical. So they have a fight. But what happens is Chloe gets knocked down and she's out of the fight and she grabs Derek and she can't get through the floorboards. There's like a box hidden under the floorboards. She has to use Derek's hand. Like she's using Derek's hand to punch through the floorboards. Yeah. She can't do it herself. So like Derek's hands being broken to a million pieces, which would have been better had we seen it. But like basically she punches, she punches through the floorboards with his hand. And just as she's about to get the box, who should show up to save them? old psychiatric ward guy vince elsing's here and i was like oh is he is he a character now and how did he know they were there and why and why does he care but he does yeah they start wrestling Derek pulls out the box inside the box is like a locket we saw in the flashback to the old roanoke colony he like holds it up to the demon woman and she's just like uh i think i don't like that and she turns into a gust of wind and blows out a window and like i guess escapes yeah and we go out to the front yard. It's it's basically the fight's over, and they're t- and Derek's asking Vince. He's like, "What's going on here?" And Vince tells him that website of yours. It's stirring up all the supernatural junk for some reason. <laughs> yeah, I love that. I love that the website's making the, like ghosts and goblins appear. It's like the ghosts and goblins are upset with his investigative journalism. Like it's like you were looking into the mob or something and writing stories about like waste collection and now you're you're agitating the mob. But in this case it's uh it's demons and ghosts. But what's the best part of this conversation, Luke? At the very end? You mean when he Batman's out of there? Exactly. Exactly. For the second time in this episode, a person just disappears at the end of the conversation for no reason. Yeah, Derek turns away from him for one second after hearing that the in, the ghosts use the internet, and when he looks back, Vince has just vanished. And that's pretty much it. Except we we, we then get to uh, uh we go back to their room and we get sort of a voiceover to tie up all these loose ends that we apparently felt were needed to be tied up. He finishes his podcast monologue where they basically do they basically state like this is what this show is going to be. Like he's like, 
I'm going to figure out what happened to my brother and what's up with these ghosts. And along the way, I'll probably help some other people who I meet who have supernatural problems. He states like, this is going to be a show where sometimes it's a continuity. Sometimes it's going to have a little adventure. And then he gets a phone call and he picks up the phone call and no one's on the other end. And as we did not mention, he, the, the implication is it's his brother because he mentioned how sometimes he would just pick up the phone before it ring. And that's how in tune with his brother he was. So this happens again. And he's like, Adam, Adam, but there's no answer. Instead, we cut to terrible, terrible music. Yes. Twin psychics is what the, the promise of the show has. Yeah. <laughs> that's, and, that, and that's it. That's the pilot. A real, real messy pilot. All right. Let's get to IMDb summary for episode two. Subject. 313 look guys i'm i'm not a ghostbuster okay my partners and i we just we document stuff we put it out on the site you've got connections right to priests or exorcists or whatever darren derek 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 okay now i'm really scared okay because we don't have any place else to go and um Ted really thinks that you can help. Ted believes in you, and I believe in Ted, and maybe you could believe in us, and you can document our little problem or whatever it is that you do, and you know, prove that it's really happening, and then you can hook us up with a witch doctor who can get rid of our you know, demon or whatever it is, because, because we have a baby on the way, okay? A pregnant woman believes she might be becoming possessed. Derek is skeptical. But freaky things start to happen. I hope that all of the uh, synopsis are able to work in the word freaky. I also hope that. The first one didn't, though. Uh, no, it's not true. They said freaky link. So, so far, we're, one, we're two for two. Two for two. This episode starts as a classic paranormal activity setup. There's like a pregnant wife in her bedroom. And there's like locks on all the doors and windows. There's a husband who's using the uh, very popular search engine. Q-Search. Q-Search. Yeah, I loved it to uh look into demon possessions which takes him straight to freaky links yeah that was weird so apparently his uh what do you call it when you uh you have a high ranking so if you search something your yours comes up first what do you call that luke i literally wrote that down i said he has great search engine optimization there you go but yeah yeah so he when, if you go into q search and you type demonic possession you get freaky links i hope that stills the case we should try it later yeah your first hit freaky links <laughs> so but while he's while he's on the internet I, I do you hear something is that why he suddenly ran into his wife's room well there's a bit of back and forth he goes and visits her because he hears something and she's fine gives her a glass of water and goes back to bed but like things start to go crazy when the clocks turn 3 13 a.m he runs into the room the first time she's okay he runs into the room after 3 13 and she's gone and he's like where'd she go i locked all these windows yeah so something's up he runs outside he's looking for her all over the place and what he finds is it's her, and I think it's a shed, and she's pouring gasoline all over herself. And we, we hard cut to the opening credits of Freaky Links. Yeah, and my note was, I hope this episode's about a possessed baby. <laughs> What's funny is, it's not obviously exactly like that, but like kind of the bedroom and like the hallways and stuff, it felt a little like, I don't know if you ever saw Paranormal Activity, but it felt a little like that movie. Yeah, I did, yeah. The writer of this episode was one of the writers of the sequel to Paranormal Activity. <laughs> it feels like almost this whole episode actually should have taken place in the apartment, but they had to get to their hip internet cafe that they work at or whatever. Well, it's funny too, because if they had just done it all with like Q 
cameras like Paranormal Activities done, it would have worked for the concept of this show, but they hadn't, they, they weren't that far out of the curve. Yeah. Oh, well. We get to find out that apparently Derek is just like, has an awesome life. Yeah. Well, he's at this Freaky Link's headquarters, this beautiful house, which we find out is a place he's house sitting for his globetrotting surfer friend, Buddy. <laughs> I know. I was like, oh, uh, okay. And what he does apparently all day when he's not working on the website, he just is. Was he online gaming? Is that what they were trying to say? I couldn't tell what they're going at, but that might make sense. He they're talking about his like firing rate, but yeah, he like he for some reason uninstalled the. Uh, I have it written down here. He erased the extensions. He uninstalled the extensions so he could have a faster rate when he was playing, which doesn't make the extensions are on the website, not your internet connection, but whatever. It's also great because it's two thirty p.m. And we see him descending a spiral staircase from his bedroom upstairs. He's been sleeping all day. But what's her face? Uh, I can't remember her name. Is it Lana? Lan. Lan. She's already there working, I guess. Yeah. I'm going to go back to the spiral staircase for a second. Because he has a spiral staircase that comes downstairs from his bedroom into the main room. He's living the high life. It is the craziest thing I've ever seen, I thought, for a second. But then I remembered my aunt had a spiral staircase in her bedroom that went downstairs into her basement jacuzzi. Really? Hold on. It went down into her basement jacuzzi. Yes. In her bedroom was a spiral staircase in the corner of the bedroom with when you went down to it, it went into a jacuzzi room in the basement. Wow. That's fancy. I think my aunt had a fuck pad. (laughs) You know, I went and stayed in a really bad uh, hotel one time. It was a motel, I think. And uh, the bed that I had in my room uh, was actually connected to the jacuzzi. So I think the idea was that you would just roll out of bed into the jacuzzi because it was all like, it was one thing, the bed and the jacuzzi. But I'm assuming it was for sex of some type. <laughs> I think it's for the morning. When you wake up, you got to get ready for work. You roll into the jacuzzi. <laughs> yeah, exactly, I guess. Anyways, what, what we're basically seeing is it's, it's a fun, hip, cool house. People are there doing stuff. He's such a cool, laid-back guy that he just gets up in the middle of the afternoon and we and as we've mentioned before, Lan has a, a nice makeover at this point. But he does also say at one point to her, because she mentions that he, uh, I think he owes her money. And he says, I'll get you the money as soon as we sell some t-shirts and collect on banners. And I, I wrote, seems like a solid business plan. I mean, he's got those banner ads. He's making that banner ad money. I guess. I like that he owes these employees money. It's, it's, he's such a, he's such a deadbeat. <laughs> That's the most realistic thing of this show is that these people are working for him for some reason and he hasn't paid them. And he runs his office out of his friend's home. He's house sitting. That has apparently maybe a jacuzzi. We haven't seen yet. We get a knock on the door now, though, and and the married couple from the cold open has come asking for help. And what I like is they, they sort of like talk to him and he's like, I don't know. And then they cut to them outside and they're still having the conversation because apparently I think that will help that really convince him and you know it's a lot of like you know willy won't he i don't know but then they're basically like look we got a baby and he's like i'll help jason's like only lines in this episode are he says he's like how did they find us we don't have contact information on the website and i was like oh is that a plot point never comes up again (laughs) i I, it's funny i I made a note of that too because i thought it was going to be something that not even like a plot point but i thought they were just calling out a bit of a editing issue but then it's not it's just it's just hey we're just gonna say there's a mistake here hey everyone look at the mistake we made yeah there's no way they would have found us but it was certainly a weird line for a character who i'm i'm just referring to as wallpaper from now on who says like how do they find us 
don't worry about it, Jason. No one likes you and they don't want to answer your question. <laughs> yeah. But yes, we, we go to their apartment. We are in sort of the whole videotape mode now. It's all kind of found footage as they look around the apartment. They don't really find much. But uh, as soon as the wife kind of like wanders off on her own, we get a weird like haunting moment where she's staring at the crib her baby's going to be in and it like fills with black oil and a hand juts out of it. She starts screaming and goes into a coma. I also should say, because what they think is there's like a demon possession or a ghost or something. I think they see demon. You're right. I, I totally forgot to say all the all the all her symptoms of possession that the husband tells them. And they're kind of being very sarcastic about it for some reason. But the husband's telling them all the things. And I don't I'm sure you wrote them all. But the only one I really liked was that the demon likes music and made her buy a lot of CDs. Because that's I have to say for whatever you can you can uh, slam this show on. I have never seen a possession where the 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 demon made someone buy a lot of CDs. Well, that's it. She makes her, the demon makes her go on, online to buy classical music. And when the husband tries to return it, she stabs him. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And the other thing the husband noticed is different about his wife is now sometimes she hums. Oh, that's right. And and I like that he just uh, reacted like I would to someone who's always humming. He's like, can, can you stop that? It's annoying. It's just irritating me. He, he, he doesn't seem as concerned about her as much as it's annoying to hear someone hum all the time. <laughs> But I will say what kind of happens next, it's very brief, but is is maybe the best idea the episode has in that Derek and Jason are a little skeptical of this whole thing. You know, buying CDs and humming aren't quite a lot. And they actually propose this idea that, you know, maybe she's mentally ill and the husband is like has a problem. Like maybe he's reinforcing her delusion or something. They actually like mm-hmm. it's kind of interesting, like this. I haven't seen this maybe in one of these shows before where they're like, we need to get them some mental health help. Like they're very worried about them, but for different reasons. And well, you know, it's a shortly, it's short lived. They call Chloe up. We discover Chloe, some sort of a psychology uh, student or maybe a, a, I'm not sure what she is. She's presenting a paper. So maybe she's actually like a psychology professional, but they basically call her in to like meet them. Yeah. I think they sort of imply that she's maybe, one test or one thesis or whatever away from being a full i was gonna say full-blown psychologist i don't think that's the term but uh fully fledged fully fledged something like that a professional yeah Yeah. the the husband's a little upset because he doesn't think they need to shrink but he he basically says if you guys spend the night tonight i will listen to what your psychologist friend has to say and she's also very worried about them chloe's just like you guys should spend the night with them and just make sure they don't hurt each other or anything because i think they're might have some issues and so everyone gets what they want. Derek and uh, Jason are going to spend the night. And what I like about this is, I don't know if there's a couple scenes in between, but basically very shortly we cut to Jason and Derek are at the house. And the scene is they're all hanging out in the living room. Um, it's close to 3.50 at this point. They all seem really bored and really tired. The wife is in her room. And what I thought was interesting is they've gone for the express purpose of trying to see uh, if anything weird is happening see how the wife is doing and they know what happens at 315 and by the time 315 comes they're not prepared at all and i was like well what were you guys doing like you could have screwed around till like two o'clock but you know start getting ready for it but like 315 they're like oh oh right that's why we're here it's like what because the conversation was so scintillating well that's true because uh when 313 rolls around they hear a piano and uh it's playing classical music uh-oh they, they run out to the apartment complex's rec room, which happens to have a grand piano in it. Yeah, because of course it does. Why not? And there's the wife. She's, she's playing piano, but she's never played piano before. Yeah, it's like that old joke. 
they uh, videotape the whole thing, and it's great because what we do is we we cut from the video footage back to the Frankie Lake's headquarters, and they have a piano expert from the university who's never introduced there watching the video. I know he's just a guy, and he says the dumbest thing too. They're like, "What do you think of it?" Uh, a parent expert we've never met before, and he goes, "It's bits and pieces of every classical piece of the last three hundred years," and I thought give me a break he can tell that he can tell there's every piece all the all the little things he can hear and a few pieces he doesn't recognize it's a real pastiche that's right (laughs) it's a real pastiche yeah that's that's the word i learned in this episode (laughs) yeah i thought that was really stupid but anyways it it was what it was he uh he also notes that at one point she's playing a four-hand sonata with only two hands yeah because she's she's a demon so we're like okay and this really doesn't tell you anything because they have to go back to the video that they were taking while they were in the house. And by the way, it's not the video they took while they were there overnight waiting for something to happen at 3.15. It's the video they took when they first went and met the couple. And uh, what you see is that one little clip of the blocks that happened to be on a table that were baby blocks with letters on them. Yeah. uh, The camera kind of pans by. And when it pans back, it now says something different, which is a cool little effect. It just was like, well, what was the point of the last 10 minutes of the show? There was no point. And also, this is two episodes in a row where they just check footage and they find a little thing they didn't see before. Here's what I think happens, actually, because you'll notice in both the times when this happened, it's like a couple days later, they're reviewing video footage, but they aren't reviewing video footage. Lan is reviewing video footage. Mm. I think Derek and Jason go out, just shoot a bunch of garbage, dump it on Lan's desk so she has to run the website, keep it operational edit all the videos so she's just getting through an assembly cut right now like she's got a backlog of work because these two idiots don't do anything but just shoot non-stop video yeah well i mean it's it's probably a pretty good theory but so luke what is the uh what do the blocks spell out that really is uh really gets this uh the action going they spell out delaney park and i thought it was going to be a new location they're going to go to but apparently it's a girl who died well it's funny because that's the joke in the episode too they're like i've never heard of that park before (laughs) But it's not. It's a girl, because that's funny. But anyways, the basic thing they're thinking is, this is a girl that died. Maybe she's the one who's haunting the couple. But how do they find out who the girl is? They just go for another found footage, and they... I think it's that they show up at... Is it the, the uh, police uh, department? Uh. No? Uh, uh. <laughs> Jordan, you can't find out what's going on unless you use a newfangled tool like a web search. Oh, that's right. Quote, that's, unquote. That's right. They make a big deal about doing a web search, and they're like, one of the first hits is this missing girl. Right, so they find out that she's missing. I think it's just very funny because on TV today, obviously the first thing you do is you just Google a name you see. But I think at this period of time, it was so baffling to a viewer, they have to explain they're doing a web search. Isn't it funny how quick things can change? Because this is like less than 20 years ago. Yeah, but all of this is like, so every day that like these little moments where they can't believe they found something on a web search now is just like of course you did like how else would you find it like or the idea that he had a cell phone to answer his brother's call just like can you believe he has a cell phone anyway they they cut to them going oh there uh this girl was missing let's go talk to police so they they show up to this one cop and every time they ask him something he's like i'd rather not say i'd rather not say then it cuts to him essentially giving a whole bunch of information that he thinks it was the boyfriend I was like, what? Yeah. Uh, okay. It's all a bunch of like, like they just do a series of found footage interviews. There's an interview with a cop who says it was the boyfriend. They interview a teen girl who knew Delaney. 
She's just like, it was the boyfriend. They go to the docks where the boyfriend works, and he's he's the only one who says it wasn't me, but he also just acts super suspiciously the entire time. Yeah. It's, it's another of these scenes where they're desperate to put in this sort of found footage uh, videotape kind of look, and at least up to this point in the show, it just feels quite forced and contrived, but I, I know it's the style they're going for. I just don't think it's found its groove yet. Yeah, I mean, I will say this. I was grateful that I didn't have to watch three scenes where they went and interviewed people and you had to hear them like show up and get out of a car and go talk. Like it just like cuts to like great, like just like video footage of questions being asked. And I'm like, at least that was fast. Like it, it all happens in like under 30 seconds. But at the end of these interviews, they also they also go and see their mother of the dead girl or presume missing dead girl. Well, this is it. That what we see now is the classic TV version of doing this. And it's a, such a long scene where what we learn is nothing. They just visit the mother and she's just like, my daughter used to play piano. She's going to go to Juilliard. They're like, okay. And they just keep talking to her for like four straight minutes. Is this where we get to, they do like flashbacks and stuff? Well, basically, yeah. Now that they've like figured out who Delaney is, that the boyfriend's a suspect and that Delaney used to play classical music. They go back to see the husband and wife who with the demon with demonic possession and they show show the wife a picture of Delaney and they're like, you know who this is? And uh, she starts freaking out because she has a memory of Delaney as a hitchhiker and she's worried she might have hurt her. Right. And Chloe gets something else to do because apparently as a trained psychologist, she can also hypnotize. But it's uh it's it's a funny version of hypnotism. It's not clear with the way it's edited as it is if she's just giving kind of burst of information like i think i see something and it might be a girl or whatever's or if she's actually doing all the dialogue because the way the characters are reacting is as if she's saying everything that the people are saying in the flashbacks like they giggle when she makes a joke and they do this sort of thing and i was like wait is she just doing a whole bunch of voices but we don't see that i do like that when it starts in this flashback and the hypnotism it all starts to the soundtrack of a conaline crushes classic song you don't know what it's like and there, and she's really singing it, and you're like, "Wow, this must be a flashback." I don't know if you watch the credits on the YouTube clip, but in the credits, they're like, "Hey, did you like the music in this week's episode? Be sure to buy a Conaline Crush's new album." Oh, that's painful. I hate that sort of stuff. It's just like, guys, it's it's a win for everybody. This was some great synergy product placement. Yeah, yeah, it's awful. Anyways, we we, we do you want to give what what the real recap is? Like, what happens in this uh, memory? I'll do it quickly. Basically, the wife saw Delaney hitchhiking, picked her up. The two of them went for a drive and complained about their boyfriends. The wife offers to uh, smoke some weed with Delaney, but she's like, I can't. I'm pregnant. And she drives Delaney back to her very, very beautiful home. She's quite wealthy and drops her off. And as she drives away, she looks in her rearview mirror and sees the boyfriend confronting her outside her home. But she never turned back to see if she was okay. So the wife's like, this is all my fault. And then as she comes out of hypnotism, she starts puking up oil all over the bedroom. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And I remember I thought, is it really all her fault? I mean, it's a stretch. Like, if you died and you were going to possess someone, I mean, I would probably not, not, like, possess someone or affect someone that was tangentially involved with my death. Well, it's very funny because Derek, like, he pieces a lot together. He's just like, you guys obviously made a serious connection. So that's why she's possessed you. So we can we can avenge her death. Like, he's just like, yeah, you guys had a serious connection on that car ride. I'm like, that's I doubt it. But because she starts puking up oil, they got to take her to the hospital. 
And what I like here is this is pretty much the end of Chloe's uh, usefulness because she just stays at the hospital for the rest of the show. Just like, and she's just met these people 10 minutes ago, but she's very worried about how things are going to go. So she's going to stay there all night. Yeah, I mean, we need to get rid of Chloe because Jason has to stand next to Derek silently for the rest of the episode. We can't spare any time for her. (laughs) I know. It's it's so bizarre. They just established that she's this like tough, like take no prisoner woman in the first episode. But they're like, nah, she's a lady. She'll just stay behind. What we find out is the wife is fading. She's dying. They're going to have to take the baby out tonight for if the baby's going to make it. And while they're all sitting in the hospital waiting room trying to figure out what to do next, they happen to hear a song in a commercial on a TV in the waiting room. Yeah, and they're all like, wait, that's that piano piece that the one guy didn't know what it was. That's uh, that's uh, old Delaney. She's telling us where to look. I was like, yeah, okay, yeah, sure she is. Sure, all right. If it gets to the end of this episode, I'll buy it. Yeah, and the theme song, or the, I guess, theme song, Jingle, is for a local gas station that the boyfriend used to work at. Mm-hmm. It's, it's Cooper Road, isn't it? Is that where it is? Yes, it's on Cooper Road. The The gas station's closed now because it was hit by a hurricane, which is why <laughs> I think this is Florida. Oh, no, you're probably right. I, just, I, I missed that line about it being hit by a hurricane. That's pretty funny for some reason. Derek and Jason drive out there with their video camera. They're kind of like searching through this abandoned gas station. Eventually, they find kind of like a, what would you call it? Like a door in the ground, like a, for, they call it a sludge it's pit. It's like a sewer entrance. Yeah, they call it a sludge pit. I guess that's where all the oil and stuff was dumped in and it's i guess it's not locked they seem to be able to open it up but i guess it was jammed or something yeah and then derek's like i'll go down and uh and jason because they have nothing to they don't know what to do with him he'll just stay at the top derek goes down but then falls into the oil sludge he falls in the oil sludge because we need a we need a good uh scare moment and uh what's kind of what's kind of nice and they didn't get into it enough they really didn't lean into this they kind of have like a tales from the crypt idea there where like there's claw marks all over the lid of the the roof like she went down there when she was tossed down there she was still alive but they left her for dead but i mean it's a cool idea and it comes up a little bit later but you know that's such a grisly concept they could have really leaned into it a little more if they wanted to be like freaky get freaky you guys it's freaky links yeah get a little more freaky a little less fearsome a little more freaky but of course what derek finds down there is her kind of mummified corpse and they, they, they've solved the mystery of what happened to Delaney. And what I like is Derek finds her corpse and then he holds its hand. I know. And I, I, I thought the same thing. I was like, why? He's like, it's okay. We've solved the murder. What you wanted. I was like, you're just holding like an old dead rotting hand. I was also like, I'm like, I don't know if that's comforting her at all. I mean, you solved her murder. That's, that's probably enough. But I like that the boyfriend is immediately arrested. Yeah, we cut back to the hospital, and the news a news report is on with footage of the boyfriend being arrested. Their concept of time is all over the place. That's true. And we find out the baby was born that night at 3.13 a.m. Oh, Delaney. But Vicky isn't getting even any better. They were like, I don't understand. We found the body. We solved the murder. Why is she not getting better? They're a flummox. They really basically are like, I guess that's it. She just She's going to die. There's nothing more we can do. But Derek's like... Well, this case is solved, but I'd like to give some comfort to that poor grieving mother by playing this tape of this possessed woman playing piano music for her. And what did you write down what he said to her, to the mother, to have her come in? He's like, he shows up at her door and he's like, hey, I'm really sorry for your loss. And the mom was like, thanks. I appreciate that. And she also like hugs him, like, thanks for solving the case and blah, blah, blah. Then he's like, hey, the reason I came by is I got this tape here of someone playing piano. I know it's not your daughter playing piano, 
but it's someone who has the same energy. And I thought maybe you'd want to listen to it together. And she's like, of course I would come on in. I was like, what, what just happened there? It's really weird. It is like he, the idea that he's just like, I have this tape of a possessed woman who plays piano because she's possessed with your daughter. I'm not going to tell you that, but I think you'll enjoy listening to it. But she does. So they go in and, and immediately, I don't even think they get to, he ever gets to listen because they go check out like her room, which has all the medals she won and blah, blah, blah. All these trophies and, from her piano yeah. playing. And you, and you get that uh, suddenly the mom's kind of acting a little funny. Something's weird in here. Well, I don't even know if you get that. What what I what I thought was happening is he's about to put the tape in the player and he notices one of the trophies is from March 13th, 1996. And he's just like, March 13th, 313. And also the trophy's kind of banged up. Yeah. So then and then, uh, yeah, we basically real really quickly. He goes like, wait a minute. You killed her. That's not even what happened. That's what's so funny about this episode at the end is he sees the banged up trophy. He pieces 313 together from march 13th and he kind of just is like huh i wonder what this means and when he turns around the ghost delaney is standing in front of him and just screams in his face stop her right that's right i forgot that you're right it's like the ghost is like fuck you're an idiot i gotta i gotta spell this out for you so then it's a whole thing and uh you find out the mom was upset because she was gonna throw away throw away her life because she was having a baby and so Apparently, for some reason, she thought the good idea would be to murder her, bludgeon her daughter to death. It was just in the heat of the moment. He bludgeoned her daughter. Like, it is funny. Like He just says, you killed her. She confesses to all of it. The, the, the actress really, acts, really does her best to act through this role. But basically, we know the mother killed her. Derek discovers this. And we cut to them walking out of the bedroom. And suddenly, like... She's very, like, nonchalant and calm for a woman who's just confessed to murder. She even, like, turns to Derek. She's like, you know what? I think my daughter would have really liked you. That was really odd. I was like, of course she would. You saw, she solved your murder. <laughs> then she looks out over what is, like, I guess it's, like, the second floor. They have a kind of a indoor balcony. I don't know what you call it. But it, like, looks down on the first floor. And she sees now Delaney's there playing piano. In, in like showing herself like she's not done at all in this episode, but apparently has that ability as a ghost. And she's like, wait, I got to go to you. And she falls over and falls to her, her death. Yeah, she falls arguably three quarters of a floor. <laughs> yeah, but but she's an old lady. I mean, so much blood pours out of her head. I guess that's what killed her. But I was just like, I, I don't think you fell far enough to really die but okay you killed yourself or what they didn't show you luke was that she still had the trophy in her hand so when she fell on the ground the trophy went right into her head that's what actually did it oh that would have been great yeah but they didn't show that that would have been better though i have a question though did she kill herself or did delaney kill like did the ghost murder her mother yeah the ghost murdered her mother at first all she could do was change blocks and stuff but now she can she can force someone to murder themselves she can suddenly appear corporally to people and like convince them to do things i still i still can't stop laughing at the idea that like derek can't put together the trophy and the damage to it right. so the ghost has to yell has to yell in his face so funny to me maybe that'll happen every episode <laughs> we cut now basically to a denouement to the episode the whole freaky leaks team is uh back at the old freaky leaks headquarters they're watching a video the husband and wife sent over with their baby and what i liked about the video is they're, they're all sitting there watching it but the husband and wife are just like derek thank you so much you did it all derek all by yourself. It's all you, Derek. Like, they don't thank anyone else on the team. They were all there. For, I mean, Jason was standing next to him the whole time. 
what I hope is that every episode fin- finishes this way, where they're all around a screen, which is, by the way, the least interesting thing to see. And there's just a, a video message of someone saying thank you. That's what I hope every episode from here on in, that's how they ends. Well, then they finish watching the video and Lan says, I'm treating everybody to pizza and beer. And I'm like, no, Derek owes you money. He treats you to pizza and beer. Yeah, but he doesn't have any money. So, yeah. And then they're all like, day we're hip 20 something shows over. Man, oh, man. Oof. I mean, let's get into some final thoughts on these episodes and get to the ratings. But this was not a auspicious start to the show. No, I mean, I don't know how you feel. I think, look, they're not great episodes. I think maybe they have a chance to get a little better. After reading some of the interference in the show, warranted or not, I can kind of forgive a little bit of how disjointed the first episode is. However, I don't know if that's still this case of the second episode, and both of them have real problems with logic and characters doing stuff that doesn't make any sense or scenes that don't propel the story or show you anything about a character and it, it just ends up being this kind of confusing like 40 minutes where you're like at the end you're like oh uh, okay what, what just happened you said at the start of the episode is that you didn't know exactly how you felt about it i mean i think i've had a pretty good sense of how i felt about these two episodes but i think to your point there's something underlying these this idea of this website the idea of maybe some of this found footage stuff there's there's something underlying it where you're like if you squint really, really hard and like shut off most of your brain, you're like, oh, maybe this could be a good idea. Like there could be a fun, stupid show in this somewhere, but it's nowhere to be seen in these two episodes. Yeah. And I, I mean, maybe, maybe taking that further. I don't know if it's a tonal problem. Um, I mean, there, there, look, there's some inconsistencies of the tone of this, but I think more so, and maybe at the heart of the problem is that even from the beginning, I don't think they know what kind of show they're trying to make and it's almost as if like scene by scene they're trying to build a show but i don't know if it's ever going to reach anything that feels like a cohesive whole yeah i mean one thing's clear and maybe it is the best decision they're making is the lead guy i couldn't remember his name ethan something ethan Embry. ethan Embry. even though the show's not great and the writing's not great there's something very watchable about him and the show is definitely like pushing aside all other characters to allow you just to focus on him. And I, I think that's probably a good decision because he's very watchable, but that's like the only thing the show has going for it. Well, it's because they want it to be a team show, but they also want to focus on him and they don't have time to do both. So it's like, well, we can't have him by himself. He has no one to talk to. So here's a bunch of characters, but we want him to do everything. So they're just there. They're wallpaper, as you said before. Also, you know, it's funny that, uh, uh, what's his name? Vince Elsing, who's in the opening credits. Nowhere to be seen in the second episode. I saw him in some press photos too. I don't think he's coming back. Just He just gets to be in the opening credits for the whole season. Never appears yeah. again. Yeah. So, well, let's, let's rate these two. All right. Subject Fearsome, episode one. I'm going to go right down the middle of this because, again, I kind of feel it goes... I, it could go either way depending on who's watching this and what your, you know, your tolerance is for found footage and stuff. So I'm going to give it a five out of ten. Five out of ten. Uh, when we started this, I felt like I, I, I for some reason, I coming in, I was like, I think I might have a soft spot for this show. I think I have a soft spot for paranormally kind of investigation stuff from this era in mm-hmm. general. And I ha- somewhere in the back of my brain, I had some warm memory of the show, which I'm starting to realize may just have been like fucking around on a website I enjoyed at some point that I thought was like a cool piece of marketing. So when I watched this first episode, it is 
a disjointed mess unquestionably like this like pilots are rough because it's always tough to set everything up but this is just like it's just a hot mess this is a three ah nice i love when you go low i love it all right uh you want me to start us off for episode two subject 313 yeah what do you think of that one it is just such a bad episode it's such a boring episode (laughs) it's so like but i mean even the narrative is so trotted like this it's like We've seen this idea a thousand times before. No new concepts are coming to it. Honestly, the one thing I thought it might have going for it is when they arrest the boyfriend, I was like, well, at least the show's over. <laughs> this is this is a bad, this is such a bad episode. It's just like, that. there's just such a bad episode. They shouldn't have even, they should have got this script and thrown it in the garbage. This is too. <laughs> I love it. There's nothing I love more than you not enjoying something. And I think partly it's because I like you being angry about it, but more so, <laughs> I like the thought of you wasting two hours of your, of your week watching something you hated. I don't think I hated as much as you did. Look, it's not good. Everything you said is is spot on and uh, accurate. I'm going to give it a four out of 10. Four out of 10. What's, what's funny is I don't know if I actually like hate it. Like I wasn't like angry watching it. It just, as I thought about it, I'm just like, these are such sloppy and occasionally lazy episodes. I'm just like, this is bad. This is just bad work on everyone's part. Well, on that note, we have how many episodes of this are are we going to watch unless we take the escape pod? There's like 13, right? There's 13. So I'm going to start warming up the escape pod because I, I don't know if we're going to get through it. Like, we'll we'll check in when we get through a quarter of the way through the series and see where we are. But here's the thing. I kind of want to watch them all. Like, I, I feel like I'm like, this has to at least gel slightly more than these two episodes at some point. So next week's really going to be a, a real clincher for this thing. But based on what I've seen, I don't know how we don't take the escape out. I mean, I may never see the episode. I think it's called Subject Desert Squid Hoax or Reality. I love that <laughs> title. I may never see it. <laughs> that is good. That's very good. In the meantime... You can uh, reach out to us if you watched this show when it was on. Do you, does any, if you remember anything about that website and maybe why that website was kind of cool, I would love to find out more about it. So far, I haven't been able to find anything online, and all the writing I've seen has said it's gone, like it's just been wiped off the face of the internet. So if you have information, you can email us at continuumdrag at gmail.com. And then, of course, on Instagram and Twitter, we'll have some clips from the show. We're going to have like a big neon sign that shoots fire out of its boobs for sure. We know that for <laughs> yeah. a fact. And then uh, other than that, uh, Jordan, I think that wraps up this episode. Thanks for thanks for being here. Listener, thanks for joining us. Yeah, and Desert Squid, myth or legend? <laughs> Continuum Drag is recorded in Toronto, Ontario. Theme music by James Rick Siedler. Produced by Jordan Delick and Luke Black. Special thanks to Aaron Younes, Adam Wheatner, Jeff Hanley, Jane McRae, and Stephen Packard. 